to the Shays Lounge. This is Cricket. And Vaughn is here as well. You said that weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be sorry. Because you said that very weird. <laughs> anyway, you are on the Shays Lounge. Thank you for tuning in for another week. We have really been enjoying this. We have really been um, enjoying taking our time and, and putting these podcasts out. I honestly don't know how many listeners we have. I'm hoping it's growing more and more because this has been kind of the highlight of, of our weeks. This is fun to get together and just discuss how things have been going. Yeah, I mean, we know we don't have a lot of listeners yet. And we're not really expecting that, but we did get some comments from some random guy the other day, which was pretty He was cool. not a random guy. He is one of our fans, and I am so happy well, that he reached out. You didn't know him beforehand, is what I you did, said. I did not know him beforehand. He friended me on Twitter, sent, uh, slid into my DMs. What I'm saying, that was a random guy that we got... Not, neither one of us knew prior that we got comments from, so it was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, he, he really liked uh, Vaughn's baseball stories, so we are going to hit the baseball stories pretty hard here in the future <laughs> because we've gotten a lot of really good feedback about uh, about Vaughn playing baseball and uh, how violent the sport is, which people don't, don't necessarily seem to realize. You know, you expect it in hockey. You expect it in... Um, the NFL, but you don't expect baseball to be just... baseball is not considered a contact sport. But boy, did they get contacted. They get... If you don't think baseball is ever a contact sport, just look up on YouTube or whatever some of these catchers and runners running into each other and trying to kill each other, trying to score. It gets pretty rough. Well, and, and you've told me too that not just the pitchers hitting people who get mouthy right um, which happens a lot which happens a lot because they deserve it <laughs> but you also have told me that the first baseman makes sure that the runner feels it when oh he, yeah when he they, they definitely get it on the act as well yeah so so when they when they when when you get tagged out at first or you get tagged out at home, really if you get tagged out anywhere um they're the the guy at the base is going to make sure that you feel it Right. I mean, like, I think I may have even mentioned it before, but there was a guy I hit, and then I went to go throw to first base after he got his lead off about four or five times. And every time, and it worked out even better because this was in high school, and my cousin was my first baseman, and so he knew what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And I would throw it, and I would purposely throw it up high so he'd have to catch it, and it gave him plenty of room to swing down with his arm once he caught it to try to apply the tag yeah he hit him pretty hard each time so <laughs> yeah so we ended up hitting him quite a few times and then a couple times he dove in and he purposely like missed the ball and i hit him again it was great so so much fun oh yeah so much fun well right now i mean having said that about the baseball stories and the fact that we are going to get into more of those today we have a very special guest with us um, she has called in. Her name is Rika Christensen. Um, she's a writer. Uh, she's a motorcycle rider. And Ooh, nice. Yeah, rides motorcycles. She and her husband ride motorcycles. It's awesome. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, but anyway, Rika, say hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> nice to meet you all. <laughs> so I got to ask a first question right off the bat, uh, Rika. Mm-hmm. What kind of bike do you ride? Um, I ride an 1100cc Yamaha V-Star, nice. um, so it's a pretty big, pretty heavy bike. Right. Um, and it's a it's a, a long distance cruiser. It's not a sport bike or you know a little bitty bike like the one I l- learned on. Um, my husband rides a 1300cc Honda VTX. The f- oh, oh, that's cool. The, that's the, the first motorcycle I had was a 1300 Honda VTX. That, really? that was the first bike I had. Uh, I eventually moved on from there up to a uh, 1700 uh, Harley Breakout. Okay. Softail. Softail. But, Beautiful bike. Yeah, but that I really enjoyed that, that Honda that VTX. It was a nice riding bike. Yeah, I haven't actually ridden it. It was supposed to be mine. We uh, got it from my dad. Uh, but... Uh, it was <laughs> it's a little too big for me, so I got the VT or I got the V Star, and my husband got the VTX because the VTX fits him better. Now, one so. thing I did like about that VTX because I have a um, I have a Harley a twelve hundred Harley Sportster, 
and it's a very top heavy bike and I can't tell you the number of times I've dropped it just because it just it gets away from me um, not riding it not riding it I've never I've never dumped it while I was riding it right but you know I'll be standing and it just starts to overbalance and over I go I know that's happened at least three times well one time it happened because you forgot to put your kickstand down <laughs> That is true. I did forget the kickstand. Yep. <laughs> and you just kind of hopped off the bike like you thought it was going to stay there and just went boop, boop. <laughs> But one thing I do like about the VTX is it is balanced a little better than my Sportster. And it didn't seem nearly as top heavy. Well, it's, it, got it, more, it's got a more of a lower center of gravity. Yeah. It's got a little more ass behind it. Right. And uh, yeah. I did like that. So how often do you guys yeah. get to ride? Um... Once, twice, three times a week. I mean, it really depends. It more depends on the... At this time of year, it depends more on the weather than anything. Right. Right. And um, are, are we are we going to say what part of the country you're from? You can say the state or something like that. We, we, we don't want specifics of where you're at, though. Cause that's nobody's business. No, we're in the Midwest. Um, and so we get a lot of... I mean, there's a... We have curvy roads out here, but they're mostly flat. Um... They're still fun to ride. You go down to uh, some of the state parks around here, and they have almost, like, they're short, but they're almost like mountain roads mm-hmm. that are a lot of fun to ride. Oh, I imagine so. That sounds like a lot of fun. And that makes yeah. me think about it. There was a lot of times when she and I would be out traveling in, like, a regular vehicle, and all we could think about was, oh, man, this this, this road would be so much fun if we had the bikes. <laughs> <laughs> like, when we were, dro- we were going through, uh, what was it, Austin one day? Yeah, we went to Austin and, and some of those mountain roads. Or, yeah. Well, there's not really mountains. Out near Lake Travis, I think. There's not really mountains in Austin. They're mesas. Right. But a mm-hmm. lot of windy, a lot of hills. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of fun on a bike. A lot of fun on a skateboard if you want to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, um, we've actually, we do a lot of road trips in our, in our car. We've actually driven the tail of a dragon in our car. And thought about how much fun it would be on a bike. I personally, Rick is ready for that, but I personally am not. I have Just seen, yet. I've seen videos on YouTube of people riding the tail of the dragon at a really high rate of speed. Those mm. people are nuts. So for they are. a lot of people here, what is the tail of the dragon? Um, it's a stretch of highway between Tennessee, on the border of Tennessee and North Carolina, and it has something like 318 turns in just 11 miles. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a really curvy, really sneaky road. A lot of hairpin turns, a lot of sharp curves, a lot of blind curves. And it's a lot of fun in a car, so I can just imagine how much fun it's going to be on a bike. Are you, yeah. are you guys planning on um, actually making that trip on your bikes and um, and riding the at, Tale of the Dragon? At some point, probably not this year, though. Right. But, uh, well, co- COVID and, and, and everything else has kind of thrown everybody's plans out the window. Well, there's that. There's also the fact that riding through one of the state parks just this past Monday, um, we uh, I was riding through one of some of the really tight hairpin turns in there and going, I am in no way ready to do more than this. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been riding for? Uh, this is my third season. Um, but last two seasons were cut kind of short. Um, the first year I was riding a little itty bitty, uh, 200cc Honda, um, 1980 Honda. And that was my training bike. Um, and I crashed in our neighborhood ended up needing stitches in my left knee um so that kind of killed the rest of the riding season because forever i couldn't bend my knee enough to ride for the rest of the summer um and then last year i was out riding by myself and i was making a left turn onto a highway from a gas station slipped on some gravel and high-sided my bike oh my goodness uh, yeah um and I didn't get really hurt there, but the bike was totaled. So, Jeez. you know, then we had to we had to wait for the insurance claims to come through, and we have to we had to wait for them to send a check, and then we had to find me a new bike. So that took that took like six weeks out of the season there too. Right. So this year, we're hoping nothing happens. 
so we can go for lots of rides. <laughs> <laughs> you just seem to have kind of a cursed beginning on your bike, is what it sounds yeah. like. Right. I mean, I haven't yeah. had the the wonderful pleasure of dropping a bike yet, but <laughs> every rider I've ever talked to has told me the same thing. It's not if you drop your bike, it's when. Exactly. <laughs> so that everybody goes through it, and that's what they always tell you to dress Ride for the slide, not for the drive, or something like that. Ride, yep. ride for the uh, dress uh, for the dress, slide. Dress for the yeah, dress for the slide, not the ride. Yeah, dress for the slide, not the. I knew there was a saying. I just got a little tongue tied, but yeah. Now, Rika, um, as our resident motorcycle expert here, um, explain to our listeners what "dress for the slide, not the ride" means. Um, that goes down to safety. It goes down to wearing safety gear, um, a helmet, preferably a full face helmet. Um, an armored jacket that has um, it has a Kevlar padding in the elbows and down the back and also in the shoulders because those are the places that are where you're most likely get it, to get injured in a crash and also the pants you wear that have uh, armor in the hips and in the knees again to protect you in the event of a crash in a bad crash you're still gonna get hurt that's just the way it is you're probably gonna break some bones but what the armoring does is it protects you from, um, you know, like losing half your skin in an abrasion. Um, it protects you from shattering certain bones. You know, um, it certainly protects your skull and your face. Yeah. I've seen I've seen pictures of uh, helmets from really bad accidents and thinking that could have been someone's face and skull and they'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we've you we've know, seen the same when we were going through our our motorcycle training. Um, you know, they, they showed us some pictures and they showed us helmets that had been in crashes and, uh, you know, he, he held up a, uh, it was a, the the one that he showed me was a full face helmet where half of it was gone. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, this, re- this, this, um, helmet was in a wreck, was in a wreck and half the helmet's gone, but the guy's alive. Like she was saying too, if. Yeah. That person wouldn't There's, have that helmet on. That would have been half of their head that would have been gone. Exactly. Yeah, and they would have died instantly. Exactly. Um, my husband just saw recently um, Facebook a Facebook post from somebody who was riding across, I think, Louisiana, um, and got it, got hit going 70 miles an hour. Ooh. Um, yeah, he was in the hospital with some broken bones and a bad concussion, and his helmet was just a wreck. He doesn't remember the accident at all, but he is just fine. He, he made a full recovery. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing so, considering that you have basically no protection uh, like you would have in, in the event of a car wreck. You know, you've mm-hmm. got the, the cage of the, of the car around you. If you hit somebody else at 70 miles an hour, you've got airbags, you've got all kinds of safety protections, and then on a, on a bike, you've got none of that. Um, mm-hmm. So to be hit at that speed and to... Live through it. Live through it is, is just amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll see people riding down the highways in major towns and cities mm-hmm. with, yeah, we've got, with we've nothing got a on but a pair of shades. Like, I saw a guy riding what we call crotch rockets, little sports bikes. Through town, flip flop shorts and a tank top. And I'm like, yep. you must want to die. <laughs> I know. It, yeah, granted, man, I know it's hot, but why do you want to die? I guess if you're gonna wreck, it's like, well, if I'm gonna wreck, I might as well make it count. I mean, don't want to walk away with a limp. So. Right. Right. Well, when I crashed my little bike, um, it was only about three houses down from the, um, from ours, and so, like. I mean, I landed hard on my knee, and I was wearing shorts. I took almost the entire fall on my left knee. And when I got up, I just took one look at my knee, and I thought, I need to go to the ER because there is no Band-Aid that is going to help that heal. (laughs) But I was, you know, the only reason there wasn't more damage to my knee is because we were in my neighborhood and going real slow. But the fact that I was wearing shorts is why I needed stitches in my knee. I didn't have anything protecting it. Yeah, so you're luckily you were so close to home and that you were driving that close. I mean, that's slow. Right. Because that could have been right. a lot worse than what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that was when I was thinking, even practicing, I'm not wearing uh, shorts anymore. Right. 
So that kind of thing is what thrust for the slide, not the right means, is because no matter, unless you're at a standstill when you go when you topple over, you're gonna slide. Right. And the safety gear protects you as much as possible from the slide. And at a high speed crash, you're gonna slide. All you know, all the fabric and most of your armor is gonna be gone when you stop. But your skin is not going to be gone. Your bones are not going to be gone. You're yeah, and you know, and you're not gonna be dead instantly from a crushed skull. Correct. Now, we're still talking about motorcycles, but I want to get off of the terrible parts of motorcycles and go to the fun parts of motorcycles. What has been your most fun ride so far that you and your husband have done? Uh, This one that we did a week ago. Uh, We went out and um, we participate in something called Tour of Honor. Um, It's Basically, you you take your motorcycle and you ride to they, the group picks specific monuments seven in each state that you ride to, um, and you take a picture of yourself and your bike in front of the monument. Uh, they send you towels with a number so they know who you are, um, and so we do that. They also um, mark off all the Doughboy statues, which are World War One statues, um, all the monuments that have Huey helicopters. Um, and there are a few others, uh, the canine memorials. Um, so what we did last week was we did this 330 mile loop, um, around part of our state and we were just stopping at these various monuments and taking pictures of our bikes. Oh, wow. And we were, yeah, it took like, it was, uh, we were out for like 10 hours and, but I mean, that's, it's one, it's a great way to see, um, the region of the country that you live in and two it's a great way to see how various communities are honoring um veterans um and you know anybody else who makes a sacrifice these aren't exclusively war memorials sounds a little bit like a uh, organized treasure hunt or a scavenger yes. hunt yes it very much is and you have the map and you know exactly you plan your route straight to it straight to whatever you're going to but yeah it's like it's very much like a scavenger hunt this sounds and like they fun do, it is it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of it's it's a great way to see you know things uh, monuments that are more than war memorials i mean a lot of the canine memorials are uh, not just war dogs but also uh, police dogs and um other you know other other service dogs who have died in in service mm-hmm well, that's awesome. So, so yeah. your so your husband was a rider first. Yes, he started riding uh, about five years ago uh, when I ran. <laughs> he started riding five years ago when I ran out of excuses to tell him not to. <laughs> <laughs> was he sitting at home going, "Nope, sorry, honey, you've used that one before. You can't use that one again." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it was. It, for a long time, it was financial. We couldn't afford the insurance. We couldn't afford the bike. Um, and then it was, um, I was worried about the safety. And so he did a lot of research into safety gear. And then after that, I was like, oh, um, okay, I'm kind of out of excuses. So go take the safety class and yeah. <laughs> Just go have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we didn't do that much research when we first got our bikes. We just kind of said... Hey, let's go get a bike. No, and neither one of us. You wanted a bike. I, which I, kind of okay. th- caught me off guard because I had no idea you had a desire for one. I've wanted a bike since I was in college. I just never thought I'd be able to get one um, because that was one of the things that my mother had always told me: never buy a motorcycle because you'll die on it. And mm. you know, so I became an adult and realized that I can do what I want. And. <laughs> <laughs> So we, you know, I, I, I discussed it with Vaughn as far as like getting a, getting a motorcycle and uh, he took me to a motorcycle shop one day and said, all right, basically pick out the, pick out the one you want. And I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. I knew how to ride four wheelers, mm-hmm. you know, so I had a, a basic grasp of what the, uh, the gear structure was, you know, and how to, how to shift gears. But right, but getting going and staying, getting your feet up, and you know, staying and exactly getting, that, yeah, that was that was all new for me. So 
I had to take the safety course and I did a lot of riding through our neighborhood at very slow speeds just trying to learn how to keep the bike upright. And, yeah, same here. Yeah. And, same I, here. and I had never had a desire for a bike. Yeah, and, and even after he bought me one, never had a desire for a bike. But then... The funny thing is, is I didn't either. Um, after Rick got his bike, I was perfectly happy riding um, as a passenger behind him. You almost called it uh, something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, and I'm thinking, he kept trying to push me to get my own bike and I'm thinking I don't want my own bike I'm perfectly happy being a passenger um and I don't remember what actually pushed me other than you know besides the fact that dad knew that Rick wanted me to have my own bike and he was looking to get rid of his but eventually I was thinking you know what I could at least learn and see if I like it you know what and if I don't we don't have to get me a bike right well, it was so, really it was really funny because I I was doing one of my neighborhood runs, um, and it was getting kind of late in the afternoon. And I remember uh, the sun wasn't about to go down, but it it was later in the afternoon. And I pull up to the front of the house, and Vaughn is standing outside, and he sees me pull up on this bike, and I see this look on his face, <laughs> and I said, you know what? I know what that look is because I've seen it in the mirror. <laughs> and I walk up to him and I said, you want a bike, don't you? And he said, yep. And so I, within, what, a month? Yeah. Within within a month, he had his own bike and had gone through the training course himself. What was bad is that we actually got the bike before I went through the training course. Yeah. To the point where she had to actually drive it back to the house because <laughs> i was the only one with the motorcycle license at the time i, know. I mean she had to test drive the bike for me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i actually never took the safety course i have this thing about taking courses by myself um so my husband taught me pretty much everything and he started with the entire safety course manual mm-hmm. um in a parking lot with cones um over at the local community college, they actually run the safety course, so they have the entire, they have all the, the lines marked out and everything. So, running me through the safety course by himself wasn't that difficult. It was, the only difference was, I just had to go over to the DMV to take my test instead of getting my license through the, uh, through the course. Right. Well, I remember, um, I nearly dropped the uh, practice bike that they had at the training course. When, when I was going through the training course, I nearly dropped the bike, and that was an automatic fail. And I remember mm-hmm. just being terrified that I was going to drop this stupid bike. And we were going through the course, and everybody was doing really well, except for this little old man that had been riding bikes for probably 60 years. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he just couldn't follow directions. And I felt so bad because he's the only man that failed that day. They they refused oh. to give him a license. And he'd been riding without a license for forever. 100 years? Yeah, mm-hmm. forever. And, and they just they just refused to give him a license that day. But I just remember um, that he made me, when we, when we got to the final exam, he made, the instructor made me um, do the course first before everybody else. <laughs> and I hate doing that because I have such bad test anxiety and if I don't get to see somebody else do something Mm -hmm. it makes me really nervous and I end up not being able to do it as well and so I could ride a bike just fine by the end of the course but you wouldn't have been able to tell it by my final exam because I had to do it first same here when I went to the DMV I could do by myself I could do the entire DMV uh, motorcycle test perfectly but put me under the gun with the uh, with the um, uh, testing testing instructor watching me and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not so much. It's like, sir, why don't you just go on back inside? And when I get done, if I'm still alive, give me my license. I'll come get you. Right. <laughs> I don't like you watching me and staring at me while I'm doing this. Yeah, just I mean, go 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 away. At least let me pretend you're not here. <laughs> So, what are your plans for uh, for the future as far as your bike? Um, are you are you guys planning on taking more trips across the country? Um, you said you're wanting to do uh, the Tale of the Dragon. 
uh, like on your bike, uh, what do you see as your uh, time period for, for getting all that done? Uh, for Tale of the Dragon, probably I would imagine I would be ready to do it sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as longer, just longer trips, um, I've already done a uh, Saddle Sword 1000 um, as a passenger. And, uh, you know, and I know that uh, my husband wants to do a whole, uh, at least one, one, one of those 1,000 mile rides this year. Saddle Sword 1000 ride is a thousand miles in 24 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're exhausting, but they're, they're a lot of fun. They're a great way to see uh, whatever part of the country you're in, too. Um, and uh, so he wants to do at least one of those, which I can do. Um, and at least one of them will probably just be like 500 miles out away from our house and 500 miles back. Um, if we do more than one, we might make it like an overnight trip. Um, I know that he does want to do a cross country trip and I want to do a cross country trip too. I'd love to take the motorcycles out to, uh, visit family. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not going to happen this year, probably not next year either, but, uh, you know, that's something that we would really love to do is do some of these cross country trips just on back roads and off the interstates. And because even in a car, when you're doing, when you're on the back roads, you still don't. There, there's still something you're missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just, you really can't see the scenery unless you're a passenger. Mm-hmm. And when you're riding, not only can you see all the scenery, but you can also feel it. Right. Right. Well... So it's it's a way to experience nature and the country um, and, you know, parts of our country that you might ne- never otherwise experience. Um that just really appeals to both of us. Right. Now, as far as experiencing nature um, on on a bike, I want Vaughn to tell the story of when we were driving um, to visit the kids one summer at Grandma's house on the mm-hmm. bikes, and we had about a, I guess it was about a three-hour drive from where we were living um, right. in yeah, East three Texas. Hours. And uh, I want you, Vaughn, to tell the story of the nature that we got caught in. Oh, you're talking about the the swarm of bugs on the way back that we had to stop? <laughs> no, no, oh, no, 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 oh, on the way there. Oh, on the way there. Yes. That was on the way back. So, so we leave. This whole trip was cursed. Yes, because as we leave the house, we get about three miles down the road and it starts raining. Not hard rain. Not hard rain, but it starts raining. And we're not in rain gear because we're not expecting rain. And then she was like, looking on her phone. She's like, "Oh, well, look, we can if we just keep going, we'll out, we'll get ahead of this, we'll outrun it." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh! All right, fine, let's go." Oh, <laughs> and it, it's the bottom fell out. Probably about no. forty-five minutes outside of town. Um, it was so much rain that we couldn't see ten feet in front of us. We had to pull over. We pulled over to a oh. gas station and told the people, oh, I'm so sorry, but when we come in and have the rain for a little bit, we're going to be getting your floor wet. And the lady was very sweet. She was like, yes, honey, y'all come on in. And she put down the like wet floor signs around us because we were just <laughs> tri- I mean, by the time we got stopped, I think I poured like two gallons of water out of each of my shoes. Yeah. I mean, we were, everything we were wearing, was soaked. We were wearing waterproof boots. Um mm-hmm. Because it's always a good idea to have waterproof boots in, in case you're uh, driving through mud puddles and things like that. But one of the downsides of waterproof boots is that when you're getting rained on, they hold water in. Yep. And so we both had to dump our boots out, and we were just soaked to the skin. Now, we did outrun the rain. We did eventually outrun the rain. Yeah, when we were about 20 minutes from your parents' house. But we outran it. We finally got ahead of it. I guess <laughs> I guess what she's getting at is I should have been a little more specific when she said, hey, we can outrun this. I'm, I should have asked the very important question, which could have been, well, at what point in this trip should we outrun the rain? <laughs> like yeah. in the next few minutes or in the last few minutes because it was the last few minutes that we finally outran the rain when we got to my parents house we had to change clothes we had to put our clothes in the washing machine and it, it was it was crazy it was i've never seen that much rain from the back of a motorcycle before and i hope to never see that much rain again it was crazy yeah 
Because there, there's there's something that they don't they don't necessarily tell you. Because why would they? A motorcycle is intended for good weather. It's not intended for bad weather. So when you're riding down these roads in bad weather, uh, you don't have windshield wipers. Right. No, you just kind of turn your head a little bit to the left or right every now and then to help the, the rain blow off the one side or the other. <laughs> right. Mm. And that's really uh, yeah. Yeah. And then on the way back, we we got in there. Okay, so. On this road back to our house, um, we kind of went through a, um, a river bottom. Mm-hmm. And this was dusk, I suppose, mm-hmm. kind of at dusk. And yeah. there were so many bugs out that we mm-hmm. ended up having to stop again at a different, um, a different gas station and get the, uh, that bug remover that you put on your windshields and clean uh-huh. our helmets off because we couldn't see. Yeah. That's that's happened to us a couple of times. I, also, you're talking about how kind of how you can kind of feel everything. I, I know mm-hmm. from from my experience, maybe if it's I'm curious if the same thing from you, because um, like when I first started riding, I can remember the first time I got up to about 45, 50 miles an hour, even as even as hauling butt as much as sixty, I had to slow down because it actually felt like it was going to blow me right off the back of that bike. But, but as I rode more and more, I don't know if I want to say how fast I've gotten, but I have gotten it up into triple digits a few times, and it didn't seem to bother me as much anymore. I mean, did, is that like anything like, does a lot of people experience that when you first get riding, that you, when you feel that wind on you, you just feels like it's going to blow you right off the back? That's how I felt the first time, yeah. Okay. Um, I have found that a windshield helps quite a bit with that. Um, but my little bike didn't have a windshield and its top speed was 72 miles an hour, but at 72 miles an hour, yeah, I felt like I was going to be blown off the back of that little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Yamaha, with the windshield, that helps quite a bit, but if I'm riding on the freeways in windy conditions, um, early on, yeah, I had still had that feeling I was going to be blown off or blown over to the side. But it's it's been my experience that that's something you just get used to. Well, and one one thing that I had to get used to was when I was first doing these little neighborhood rides, when I finally got out on a main road and got above 30 miles an hour, you know, even doing 45 or 50 miles an hour, I couldn't keep my head steady because it was such yeah. a weird feeling in the wind because you, you just get blown around by the wind and people don't realize how much you're getting blown around by the wind. Um even at, at 45 or 50 miles an hour, it's hard to keep your head steady. Yes. That's but it does build your neck muscles. You, you kind of get used to after a while. Yeah, you do. And and now it, it's, you know, I can go 70 or 75 and it's no big deal. But right. I just remember when I, when I first got out there, I was just like, this is this going to be this way forever? Because I don't know if I can handle this. Oh, I know. The first time I got to 60, I got scared. I had to slow down. I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, no. <laughs> I don't know if I yes. have the hand strength to hold on to the bars to keep myself from flying <laughs> off the back. But I did eventually yeah. get used to it. And like I said, I, I don't think I ever had the Honda over 100. But the... Uh, the soft tail, you definitely The 1700, did. I had it over that a few times. I won't say how many, but it was a few times. He uh, he tried to outrun my uh, CB CB one thousand R, and uh, sure. if I hadn't uh, see, I respect that one thousand R, and uh, uh-huh. it it can get away from you if you're not super careful. And if yes. I hadn't been super careful, I don't think his soft tail would have hung with me. <laughs> no, it's not going to because my seventeen hundred topped out at like one twenty five. Because okay. I couldn't get it any faster than that. I tried. I know right. that racing crotch rocket thing you've got out there will go a lot faster than that. Yeah. It will. I, Which, I, haven't, uh, I haven't taken um, mine above 80, 85 miles an hour. The first time I did that, uh, we were on a two-lane highway passing trucks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, uh, he would just signal we were going we were gonna to pass. And just, you know, throttle all the way up and go as fast as you can. And I got up to 85 and I'm thinking, I'm so going to fall over if I don't slow down. (laughs) It's a scary feeling. But there's something amazing about being able to just 
you know, hit the gas and just zip around a truck like it's nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're sitting there just cruising around at six, you know, fifth or sixth gear, whatever yours has, and then you're just like, well, I need to get around this truck, pull the clutch, pop it down a couple gears, and just hammer on it, and you just go from behind this truck to around the truck really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Faster than you can in a car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a weight holding you back when you're in a car. Right. So and does the engine it, is smaller, and so it's more responsive too. So you said you're from the Midwest. Um, does your state, uh, and, and you don't have to be specific with the state unless you just really want to be, um, but does your state allow lane splitting? No. Um, as far as I know, California is the only state in the U.S. that allows lane splitting. Okay. Hey, now explain to our listeners what lane splitting is. Uh, lane splitting is being able to... Um, ride your bike up the lane markers between cars. It's supposed to specifically be for traffic lights. Um, and the reason for that is um, there's actually a safety aspect to it um, that has to do with, um, well, it has to do with visibility, but it also has to do with uh, the, the bikes themselves. Most of them are air-cooled. And if they overheat in really heavy traffic, um, at traffic lights, that's dangerous for riders and cars too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I know, so, I know. In Texas, there were two bills in front of the legislature um, trying to make it legal for um, bikes to lane split in in cases of traffic jams where they could get through the traffic jam going no more than twenty five miles an hour. And both of those bills failed, unfortunately. But I'm here's hoping that they get passed sometime in the future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it also, I mean, it also helps to, especially when it's really good riding weather, it also helps to reduce the number of vehicles that are stuck in that jam. Right, right. I yeah. remember the, the lane splitting when we were in uh, Jamaica for a week. Mm. We're in these big old, you know, on this tour bus going down the road, and we'll be coming up to the light, and next thing you know, we hear a meow, and a little dude on a moped or a motorcycle is just flying right between you, this the, the bus in one lane and the bus in the next lane. Like if he goes off like three or four inches to either side, he's scraping his handlebars on these buses. But man, they were they did not slow down over there. No, they did not. I mean, they were just zipping right through everybody. It was crazy. And there was wow. there was a bunch of Harley shops down in Jamaica. Yeah. I was actually really surprised by that. I had I had no idea yeah, it was such a big business down there. Yeah, there's a um, big Harley shop in uh, Grand Cayman also. Mm-hmm. I wonder and, why. Uh, I, I, I don't I, I don't guess I associate uh, motorcycles with islands. I guess I don't either. <laughs> I, and the odd thing is, is I don't associate motorcycles with islands, and yet there are motorcycle cruises that go to Caribbean islands specifically to ride on those islands. Really? I've never yes. heard of that. So, do you take your bike with you, or do they have bikes that they provide when you get down there? You take your bike with you. Hmm. Um, what they, they usually, these cruises fill up really, really quickly because there's usually only a group of 25 or 35 people maximum on the cruise ship, and it's like a regular cruise that's going that route anyway, um, because they can only fit so many bikes on the ship. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you bring your own bike. Um, you have to have it, you have to be able to prove that it's insured. You have to have your license. Um, and they have you at least bring the bike onto the ship before they secure it. And you, you're the one that also takes it off the ship at each, uh, port. Well, that is amazing. I, I had no idea that was even a thing. Yeah. And then these rides, they're guided rides. So, um, there's, there's no, you don't have to worry about. Uh, not knowing the roads, you don't have to worry about not knowing traffic patterns um, because they're usually guided by local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a nice bike tour of the island, and then you get back on the ship. And it's ex- except for those; um, those are the best parts of these cruises. But other than that, it's just you know like a regular cruise. So you don't have to worry about going off to some island you've never been to before and get lost on your bike. Correct. <laughs> it's like, I can't find my way back. Where's the boat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they have a specific route that they take you. And um, because of that, there's also 
very very low risk of uh, accidents on these on these trips. Wow, that's that's a, I'm gonna have to I may have to look into that because uh, my uh, my parents and and my uh, sister and brother-in-law have been trying to get me to go on a cruise for forever and that may actually be the one type of cruise that I might actually go on. Yeah, we've been looking into them. We had one booked for uh, May of next year and then something happened between the company that we booked it through and the cruise line. Um, some There was a... I don't know if they dissolved their contract or if there was a breach of contract somewhere, but something happened, so it's been indefinitely postponed. Oh, well, that's uh, when, yeah, when they get a contract with a new cruise line, people who already had reservations are going to get priority for reservations on that one, but we haven't heard anything yet, so. Well, you'll have to take um, lots of pictures and lots of videos. Uh, do you have a GoPro that you wear when you're riding your bike? Um, uh, we have not worn it while riding, but yes, we do have a GoPro we can put on our, one of us can put on our helmets, so. Because I've got a GoPro that I keep that I put on my helmet, and that's it's a lot of fun to just go back and watch the video and and see mm -hmm. what you missed while you were going down the road. Um, there's that, yeah. There's also um, like uh, the slow this uh, slow parking lot exercises. One of the things that I want to do is put the GoPro on my helmet and just kind of watch my evolution with the slow parking lot exercises because um, I can do on. On my training bike, I could do all these cone exercises with no problems. On the Yamaha, I I can I can barely do a cone weave on the Yamaha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's a bigger bike too, so it you know, I'm sure it takes up much more space. So it takes up much more space. It's heavier, so the counterbalancing is different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I mean, I can I can do the cone weave. Um, I'm usually knocking over half the cones. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember the first time I got back from the uh, training course and doing the U-turn. Uh, oh, the U-turn. <laughs> I hated the, uh, doing that U-turn. The little training bike, I got it down pat. Mm -hmm. And then I got home, I was like, you know, and the and my, our road in our neighborhood was, you know, it's a lot bigger than that little square that they give you to do a U-turn in. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that can U-turn easily. Woo I almost dropped it. <laughs> That heavier bike was a big difference. Yeah, uh, same here. First time I tried to U-turn on the Yamaha, I almost dropped it. And I was, I'm actually surprised I didn't drop it because it went so far over, I'm surprised I was able to get it back up. That, that's what I did on that training bike during the final exam. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah. Overbalanced it, and I caught it with my leg, and I was like, <laughs> please let me pull uh -huh. this back up. <laughs> I actually had had an experience recently. We were going to a tour of honor site. It was we were just doing a short ride. It was one of the ones near our house, um, and uh, my husband was leading because he's the one that has a map. Um, but he, uh, I was w watching for his uh, signal to turn off the road, and he almost missed it. So he turns, and I went into a panic stop and fishtailed. Ooh, yeah. Um, and I got the bike stopped, I, I got the bike stopped just fine, um, off the road and onto the little residential street, but because I was in a panic stop, I didn't have the clutch in and it stalled, and when I stall at a stop, I usually go over. Mm -hmm. And I almost went over, and I somehow didn't, and I don't know how I didn't. Well, good, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, had, we were out riding with some friends one time, and, you know, they teach you in these uh, motorcycle courses that when you have your hand on the throttle, um, you need to, when, when the throttle, when you're not engaging the throttle, your hand needs to be cocked a little um, down toward the ground, or your wrist needs to be cocked a little toward the ground, so that you're actually having to move, physically move your hand to get the throttle engaged. Um, and that way you don't snatch the throttle by accident. Yeah. And we had, we had that happen with a friend of ours. Um, she got a little panicked and had her hand in the wrong position on the throttle and snatched the throttle and the, it just, the bike came right out from under her mm -hmm. in grapple and, and just took off. Oof. 
And, yes. uh, yeah, she, she laid her bike over on the side of the road. And she was terrified to ride the bike. I mean, we were, what, two miles from home? And that last two miles, uh, she was terrified. We went really, really slow. I don't think we ever got out of second gear to make sure she wow. got home safe. And the only reason mm-hmm. she was able to get back on it is because we were talking it up. Like, I can't believe you, you, you know, you, you made it that far before you dropped it. You almost saved it. But, of course, right when she took off, we knew it was. It was, that was it. Yell timber because she was going down. But we had to kind of talk her up and get her confidence back up before she would get back up on it again. So. Yeah. Yeah, once, once you go down, especially in a situation like that, it's really hard to get your confidence back up. It is, but. I'm glad to hear that even though you've had a few little falls here and there, that your confidence is still up because there is nothing more fun than riding a motorcycle out across the country. No, there there is nothing more fun than riding a motorcycle, period, except maybe skiing, but skiing is a winter sport. <laughs> well, see, when you say ski, I think water ski. That's, that's where uh, my brain goes first. That's what I was thinking, too. Because yeah, we all get snow around here that we can ski on. Summer. <laughs> yeah, we get. I, when when's the last time it snowed in Texas? Like uh, 2009, I think. Where it actually didn't melt before it hit the ground. Because our our son was a baby, baby. Yeah. So I think it was 2009. I know. I know. All I can remember was he still had the little Jack Russell. Yeah. <laughs> so I took this ball outside and threw it out in the yard. And when it hit in the snow, he kind of just stopped dead in his tracks. Like, wait a minute, where'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, and, and that and that means again that our riding season is a lot longer because in the Midwest you guys actually have like legitimate snow. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't want to be riding in those conditions. However, um, we can actually ride when it's colder because we have heated gear. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. So I mean, we don't we need heated pants liners, but we have uh, we have heated throttle grips, and we have heated jacket liners. Um, so that makes it so that we can extend our riding season um in both directions quite a bit because i remember uh when i first got my bike it was actually in february and Mm -hmm. the weather had been really good and then the bottom dropped out of the temperature and i remember Mm -hmm. riding to work on my bike about to die because i thought Uh i was i thought i was good it was about it was about 40 degrees and Uh for me that's about 60 degrees too cold to ride a bike. <laughs> See, our, our riding season gets cut short sometimes because we would get ready to go for a ride somewhere and we'd walk outside and like, nope, too hot. Go back in, get the car keys. It's, we need the air conditioner. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen up here. I, I grew up in the desert southwest and I can I can easily imagine that. I mean, this is when we go back to visit family, um, if back when back when my dad still had his bike and we were riding it you know we would be like we would go outside and we'd be like uh we really need to be wearing our jackets but it's 110 out here mm-hmm. <laughs> that and that's one thing uh, you know I, I, I wear chaps when I ride um uh-huh. I don't always have armored gear but I do have chaps that I wear and when it's 110 degrees in the shade you do not want to be wearing chaps yeah there's a lot you really don't want to be wearing when the temperatures and the triple digits. Mm-hmm. Like two hot to put on gear, get in the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> All right, Riga, we're kind of coming to the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I definitely want to have you back as a guest. Agreed. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. We're going to talk about things other than motorcycles, I promise. We, I actually, actually... Had, we had other ideas of things to talk about with you today, but like, I, like when she was asking me if there was any certain questions I'd like to ask, I'm like, well, we're trying to kind of see how this goes. And, uh, you know, it, and that's usually how these podcasts turn out. We have subjects that we'd like to cover, questions we'd like to ask, and we end up going, really elaborating on things. And so it just kind of just... Let's it, we just kind of let it flow how it flows. So I think it worked out pretty well, though. Yeah. Actually, I didn't even notice the time passed. <laughs> I know, and right? that's the best part about doing this podcast. You don't even realize that you've been talking for an hour when you've been talking mm-hmm. for an hour. That's pretty yeah. neat. Well, we definitely appreciate you calling in and giving us your insight. And like I said, I, in this whole dragon tail thing, I'm going to have to look that up because, I mean, I ride bikes. So I didn't even know anything about this. 
I knew about the, yeah. the tail of the so, dragon. The tail of the dragon. What yeah. I call it? Dragon, dragon tail? tail? Yeah, tail the of the same dragon. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> same thing. Same thing, same thing. Tail of the dragon. But yeah, if you look up by there, it'll probably take you to Tail of the Dragon. Um, and Deals Gap, uh, North Carolina is where it like begins or ends, depending on which direction you're going. Okay. Now, are you, or just out of curiosity, before before we let you go, are you a member of any motorcycle clubs? Um, no. Do you have any plans to to join any motorcycle clubs? Not currently. Okay. Um, that might change later, but no, not currently. Okay. All right. And and for for those of of you listening, um, who don't realize what motorcycle clubs are. Um, you, you hear about biker gangs and all these guys, you know, going down the road. There's, like, two actual biker gangs in the entire United States. Everybody else is a biker club. They just get together to ride their bikes together and do some of these scavenger hunts, like what uh, Rika was describing earlier. Yeah, and some of these guys is like, we're not a biker gang. Don't call us that. It's like, it's okay, my bad. <laughs> we're a riding club, not a gang. Yeah, they're they're riding clubs because they get together to ride. They get together to hang out. It's fa- very family oriented. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of families that get together and ride bikes together and and just hang out and have fun. And a lot of biker clubs actually uh, work to promote motorcycle safety. Yes, and you know, they don't get out there to ride recklessly and be complete jerks. They they're a big part of their existence is promoting safety. Yes, and, and awareness, because mm-hmm. a lot of people in cars, it's very easy to, when you're at an intersection or when you're on the road, it's easy to look past a motorcycle rider on the highway, and that's very dangerous for the motorcycle rider, because if you don't see him, you could get over on top of him when you're changing lanes, you can mm-hmm. um, you can miss them going through an intersection, you could hit them. Because you, know, well, you can blow your horn all you want to at somebody on a motorcycle, and, and motorcycle horns are not very loud. No, they're not. No. No, if you want a loud horn on a motorcycle, you need to get a special one. Right. What We, we, yeah. have, we have a saying in, in the, the biking community, loud pipes save lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, you hear these loud bikes coming through. Well, they're loud for a reason. They, it's That's because you need to be able the, to be heard. The breakout that I had, it was loud. People getting near me, I'd rev it up real high, and I'd see people kind of moving over. They, they're looking out their windows to try to figure out where I'm at. So, yeah, and that's what I yeah. don't like about my CBR. My CBR is not loud, and it's not a safe bike on the road, and it, it makes me nervous to ride it for that reason. Mm-hmm. But well, no, our, our our bikes are quiet. Um, we have the the um, muffled pipes, but we actually have. Um, loud horns on our bikes that we put for, put on them for that same reason. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I can get like one of the um, train horns for my for a bike. <laughs> <laughs> Not like an eighteen wheeler coming by. <laughs> then you give me a moped and get one of them put on there. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well Rika, I really appreciate you coming on and we will definitely have you on in the future. Thank you. Alright. Thank you for having me. Alright, guys listening to the podcast. Thank you for making it this far. We have enjoyed talking to you and we love you. We will talk to you again soon.